All right, everybody, welcome back to the newest episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making me part of your day presented by Anchor Podcasts. Remember to like and subscribe and leave a review wherever it is that you get your shows to help others find the podcast. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on social media. Go to Twitter, at Tap Outs and TDs. On Facebook, Tap Outs and Touchdowns. And the email to the show, touchdowns at gmail.com. Got a special show for y'all today. Not the typical show that we've done. Uh, we're going to talk about wrestling finishers. And before we get into it, let's welcome back to the show, uh, Tap Outs and Touchdowns Wrestling Show co-host, DJ Steven. DJ, how you doing today, bud? Ooh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's not a bad day. Uh, I'm excited to get into this. Uh, you know, the other, the other reason I'm excited to get into this because we kind of agree in this. Uh, we're not going to be doing a lot of fighting in this episode. It's going to be a lot of like, yep, I'm with you. And like, we, we agree. It's fun. I like yeah, it. Yeah. The, uh, the audience, as, as PJ cracks up with the Steve Weisers, the audience uh, may tend to enjoy our, uh, you know, repertoire back and forth when we like to disagree on subjects like Darby Allen and so on and so forth. But yeah, oh I think God. you're right. Uh, we're going to talk about finishers, and we're, we're in a lot of agreement today. So this week's opening bell, we're going to discuss what a signature move or what a finisher move is and the importance of said move. BJ, why don't you get us started? What is, what is the significance behind a signature move and a finisher in pro wrestling? So obviously, like, your finisher is, you know, what actually ends the match. Uh, we hear a term that goes around a lot called false finishes, which is when someone hits their finisher and then it's like, oh, wow, that didn't finish the match. And they go back and forth and it gets old kind of quick. But uh, yeah, your finisher is what is supposed to end the match. That is supposed to be the thing that you are gearing up to hit. And if you hit it there, that it's over one, two, three, like it's cake, nothing. Yeah. Um, to me, that's that's your easiest definition of what a finisher should be. Yeah, I think uh, I think the concept behind this, a signature move and a finisher is to, uh, one, it's to, you know, in the name, it's to finish your opponent. Um, but when it comes to what a signature move is or what a finisher is for, uh, for a, a specific wrestler, it's to help showcase their skill set. Uh, for instance, uh, with The Undertaker, he always started off his setup for the tombstone with a choke slam. And we knew that a tombstone was following said choke slam. Uh, so it, 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 you know, when you think about how it goes towards his skill set and, and who he was, a choke slam, he was six foot nine, 320 pounds. That choke slam was going to get somebody high in the air and that tombstone was going to drop him on the head. Uh, so it's just, it kind of, it helped make and, and kind of add to the allure of these wrestlers. Would you agree, PJ? Yeah, very much so. And when you talk about uh, skill sets, there are some wrestlers who their skill sets were super limited. So their finishers were not very great. So we're going to get into that as well as not only are we going to talk about um, the what we think is the greatest finishers, but guys, we're going to get into what we think are the worst finishers of pro wrestling. And I can't wait to get into that because I love shitting on things that I hate. So that's going to get fun. Yeah, it's we got a great show. Uh, we wanted to start off explaining what, what exactly the, the concept of a signature or, or the, the idea of what a, a finishing move was. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we're coming back with Break It Down. We're going to break out our five uh, worst finishers and the five best finishers in wrestling history. Stick around. We will be right back. All right, we're back. Welcome back to the show. Special edition of Tap Out the Touchdown, where PJ Steven and I are going over pro wrestling finishers. And this week's breaking down, we're going to go over the best and worst finishers of all time. PJ, 
I'm going to open the floor to you. Do you want to start off with the worst finishers, or should we start off with the best finishers of all time? Oh, my God. Let's let's talk about the worst first. Let's do it. So we can lead them into some positivity. Or excuse me, so we can end the show on some positivity. Let's get the negativity out of the way. All right. Well, we we got a list of our, our, our top five worst finishers, and we both agree on number five. AJ, what is our number five most hated worst finisher in pro wrestling history and why did you put it there? I gotta tell you, man, like, um, <laughs> if you've been following this show, I love the smile on your face, like, you get it. If you've been following this show for a long time, um, you know that I think that John Cena is the worst wrestler in the world. He's never done anything that is remotely almost good. Um, I'd rather watch the Marine 18 than watch one John Cena match. And that leads me into what I think is the worst finisher, one of the top five, uh, number five worst finishers is the attitude adjustment or the FU, which is basically just a shitty fireman carry where he like dollops you like some sour cream on the fucking ring. I hate it. I, yeah, no. Yeah, uh, I agree. The attitude adjustment, formerly known as the FU, is my number five uh, worst finisher of all time. Uh, I think he pretty much summed it up. The fireman carry, when he first started doing it, I, I considered it a variation of the Death Valley driver. Yeah. Um, but gradually over time, it became a, a fireman's carry where he just flipped you off and he landed on your back. There wasn't much, you know, when it came, we always talk about adding logic to an illogical situation. Uh, we talk about wrestling finishers. We, we want to talk about making them logical. Like, would this move really put somebody down? And it's hard to, hard to really conceptualize the, uh, the attitude adjustment, putting somebody down for the three count in a wrestling match. Uh, moving right along here. Uh, number four, we've got something different. Uh, I've got Cesaro's Neutralizer. Uh, he sets up his opponent for a two, uh, for a pile driver. Uh, he basically grabs his opponent uh, over one leg and under over and under the same leg, picks him up uh, in a vertical situation, and then drops him flat on the mat. Um, I, I know I just mentioned the fu or the attitude adjustment not feeling um, realistic in a way uh, to uh, be able to put your your opponent down for the three count. You know, at least this way. Um, the finisher, the neutralizer, at least lands him, I guess, face first. Uh, but it's not a spike on the head. It's basically a belly flop to your to your opponent. So I don't know. I just I didn't feel I never felt that like it was the most impressive. Um, since he started using utilizing the swing and turning it into the sharpshooter, um, I feel like that should be his finisher anyway. Uh, but PJ, you got something different for your number four. What is your number four uh, worst finisher of all time? So what I'll touch on is like the, I do think that is a really shit finisher uh, because uh, Cesaro's repertoire is already like insanely fantastic and he's just a great wrestler. So he should have a better finisher. Uh, my number four was <laughs> punches, chops, the Samoan spike. Um Anything like that, like Big Show's big punch, uh, Great Khali's little shitty chop, um, I the Mongolian chops. I, I forgot about Khali's big chop finish. Oh uh, man! Yeah, I mean, you know, it, uh, uh, I mean, a little chop puts you down for three seconds, man. Like especially the Samoan spike. Like what a great wrestler Umaga was, and you give him the fucking thumb spike, which. Like, I don't know, man. I, I hated that. And I hate those. I really do. Like, I think like, even, even the clothesline from hell is riding a fine line. And the only reason, like, that's not on this list is because Bradshaw, like, does it just so tremendously that it looks fucking cool. Uh, and it looks like it could put you down for more than 10 seconds. But I, I just think the punches... <laughs> Especially Big Show's just stupid punch, man. And then like Roddy, even Roddy Piper's punch that he used to do, man. Because punches get done. Because that's the thing, and we'll talk about this when we get into the best finishers. But the finisher should be different, and um, it should be a bit unique. And these are just not unique. You see these in almost every wrestling match. Uh, I even almost put 
the walls of Jericho on here because it's just a Boston Crab. Unless it's the Lion Tamer, then it's a little bit different. But he never really used the Lion Tamer in the E. Um, but what? not that this is just subjected to the E, but still. I mean, yeah, so punches, chops, and spikes, any kind of bullshit like that, I think is just really makes it really hard to believe that like, wow, yeah, that could put you down. Yeah, I uh, I legit almost put the clothesline from hell. But like you said, JBL executed it with such force uh, and such believability. Like it felt like he was taking somebody's head off. Uh, but you talk about strikes. I, I, I guess I should have put these on here. Uh, I know Big Show's uh, knockout punch was really poorly executed. But the reason I guess I didn't put punches on here was because, I mean, his hand is as big as my head. And if he's bringing that fist full swing, he's going to knock me out, if not break something. So I understood the concept behind why he did it, and especially because he brought it around after he had his WrestleMania match with Floyd Mayweather. So I understood the concept by him bringing it in, but the execution was never pretty um, and therefore never felt believable. Uh, you mentioned... Well, that's the thing. That, that's the thing, too. Like, if he would have... If he would have not done anything in those matches and then ended it with a punch, that'd have been fine. But how many times, like, you know, was he punching and like elbowing and like, you know, you know, smacking? And it's like, man, like, just do that. Um, You know, I'm going to let you finish. But before I forget about this, let's talk about this for two seconds. You talk about uh, the clothesline from hell. What do you think is a better finisher, the clothesline from hell or the rainmaker? I know you've been a big Okada Ooh. boy these past couple of days, and I, I've always been a Kazushiko Okada fan. Um, but what do you think is just a better finisher? Just real quick. I, I Only because of my limited exposure to the Rainmaker, I like the clothesline from hell because they both get the running start. It's not just like a turnaround Rainmaker. Like you got JBL could whip somebody to the ropes, hit the ropes himself, and then hit that clothesline. It just, you know... Obviously, the Rainmaker and the allure of the Rainmaker is a big deal, but I like the clothesline from hell better, um, at least at least for right now. Maybe the more I watch Okada in New Japan, the more I'll, I'll change my, my perspective. But right now, I'm going to stick with the clothesline from hell. But we talk about strikes. I can't believe this wasn't brought up. The finisher for Lex Luger in WWE, where he had, like, the bionic forearm. And so we use oh, that diving I forgot about forearm. that, yeah. And that was his WWE finisher. Now, WCW, when he would go back to World Championship Wrestling, he would use the torture rack. Uh, But that forearm. But he would would do that forearm for a prelude to that. You're absolutely right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. What a, you know, kind of, you know, everything that you've already said about strikes and punches as finishers, just, you know, in, in MMA, like people get knocked out. In boxing, people get knocked out. But in pro wrestling, like you said, most of the match, they spend, you know, quote, unquote, beating the hell out of each other. And then to end the match on a, on a, on a big boot or a, a Samoan spike, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, defeats the purpose. Um, PJ, we both got the same number three. Uh, I'm going to let you start us off here. What was our number three worst finisher of all time? It is, you know, I hate to say it. It's, it's a diabolical finisher. It's the ultimate warrior splash and combo. He's going to take you down and he's got to run to run, run into the ring to the other end of the ring. And he's going to jump up an inch in the air and splash on you. God damn. It's a one. It's a two. It's a three. Yeah, no, the ultimate warrior splash combo is fucking dog trash. And it just looks dumb. Like he, he literally jumps like an inch in the air. And like, I get he's roided up, so he can't jump that high. But bro, make an effort. Get a trampoline. So, you know, he starts off with the, with the full body press, right? So the fact that, I mean, he was roided up and he was strong. That in and of itself was enough. If he wanted to, to the, the body press drop, if he wanted that to be his finisher, fine. But when you combine that with, running from both ropes to finishing with a splash it's not like he was mark henry it's not like he was vader it's not like he had some weight behind that splash it was just the ultimate splash after the you know the body press that sort of it honestly took away from how impressive the body press was because he did it to everyone you know now granted i never saw him do it to andre the giant uh but he did it to hogan he did it to rude he did it to everybody that he wrestled so why would you like I don't know. It's sort of like um, 
I don't know where I don't want to I don't want to kind of make a spoiler here, but it's kind of like getting to, you know, it's like the Undertaker hitting the Tombstone pile driver and then rolling up his opponent for the pin. Like it's overkill. <laughs> you didn't need it, but you did it anyway because that's what you wanted to do. So I'm right there with you with the Ultimate Warriors splash and combo. Um, I've got a different a different move for my number two. Um, and I'll go ahead and start us off here. The people's elbow. Now, don't get me wrong. The most electrifying move in all of entertainment was entertaining to watch. Uh, he, he would kick off his elbow pad, do his arm switch in the air, run from ring to rope to rope, kind of like the Ultimate Warrior would do with the splash, um, and do his little funky leg kick. And occasionally he would mix it up like the one night he was in dress shoes and slid to the people's elbow. Sometimes he would mock his opponent when many times when he wrestled Steve Austin, he would give him the burrs to finish the elbow. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a top rope elbow drop. It wasn't a mid rope, like a second rope elbow drop. It wasn't uh, like a, a catapulting off the rope elbow drop. It was an elbow drop from a running, I guess, perspective. Um, as entertaining as it was and as entertaining as the rock is and was, the people's elbow as a finishing move is just really weak considering the moves that we're going to get into as, um, as the best finishers of all time. So PG, I know you've got a different number two, but what do you think, what do you think about the people's elbow and, and why didn't that make your list of worst five finishers of all time? So it would have made the, it would have made the top top six. <clears throat> I mean, it's a it's a terrible finisher. My only reason that I didn't really pick it is because the people's elbow rarely ended matches. Um, the only match that I could really remember it ending that was a big deal was CM Punk's four hundred and thirty four fucking day run ended from a people's elbow. Well, I mean, like, let's be honest. Punk sort of deserved it, right? I mean, he no was no argument. He no wasn't argument, a real company but, man, you know, he wouldn't no he argument, but give him a give him a rock bottom. Yeah. Come on. But but moving on, like, yeah, um, yeah, that's why I didn't pick it uh, for my top five, because it again it rarely ended the matches. Um I picked um yeah, I picked one that I I I can't really stand at all, and it's the the claws. The uh, you know, I know we just talked about AEW pay per view. Well, I, last year, yeah. uh, we talked about it last year with the um, uh, oh god, well, who was who was at ringside uh, for AEW? Baron Baron Von Roschke with the claw. That was a big deal. Uh, and then Killer Kowalski would like grab your stomach, the claw, and the manable claw. I think claws are really stupid. And they're silly. Like Kurgan used to do the Kurgan, you know. Yeah. Kurgan, um, yeah. Even Kali would do the the fucking little um, claw. Um, great, uh, great, uh, great Okan from New Japan Pro Wrestling and the uh, United Empire with the Will Osprey. He will use the claw, and the claw is only cool if it ends in a choke slam, and it rarely does. Yeah, claws are dumb. See, I so I agree with you as far as like. The head claws. I always thought Kurgan's claw was dumb. They sold Kali's claw by him exploding or deflating a basketball on, on TV to show his power. Um, and his claw, I remember one time, basically made Rey Mysterio's head bleed because of the pressure that he used, which made sense because of, of the character they were pushing. Um, I'll disagree only because the mandible claw scared the, the ever-loving Jesus out of me uh, when I was a kid, when mankind came out and supposedly had the one finger that he had in the little glove, if you remember what I'm talking about, and the claw went inside oh, yeah. your mouth. And I always, I always envisioned the claw as like a nerve hold. And so I always, I always imagined that the mandible claw went under the tongue and just sort of like, you know, uh, disabled the opponent, just completely like, Broth into their back, like please let this be over with. Um, but yeah, I think the head claws are dumb. Even the two-handed head claws, like the palming of a basketball, are dumb. How, so I how, can. How, how do you how do you feel saying that 
that that, it, that the minimum claw par- paralyzes you. Uh, I mean, pretty dumb. If, if we're going to be honest, <laughs> I mean, listen, uh, my, my thinking, like, cause I love the animal claw. I love Mr. Sacco. That shit's awesome, but man, bite those fingers. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. I, I just, I don't know, man. Like I, I said, I, I, I was I'm a not kid. A fan. Yeah. The, the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of any finisher that you have movement with your arms and your legs that you're able to like, get this fucker off of you you know yeah i mean the present so i guess it had more to do not just with the manimal claw itself but the overall presentation with mankind right so he had the weird logo on the back of his shirt he wore a mask he pulled out his own hair so and and i don't remember if you remember that old like pig squeal that he would do i was just thinking about that because i was playing wwf warzone a couple days ago on my n64 and if you hit mankind hard enough he'll do the yeah it's awesome yeah so you know, combination of all of that. Again, I'm an impressionable kid. I knew that the stuff, you know, I, even as a young kid, my dad didn't like wrestling. So he was like, you know, that's fake, right? Like, what are you watching? I'm like, dad, I enjoy it. You can watch baseball uh, on Saturday nights <laughs> after it comes off of TBS, but I'm going to watch Mankind put a mandible claw on, on The Undertaker. So yeah, I'm watching, I mean, I'm watching real sports, dad. Yeah, I'm watching sports that they're three hours long. But you're not just sitting around bored for three hours because stuff is happening. Um, anyway, uh, we're getting we're down here to the very, very worst finisher of all time. And we both agree on this finisher. And I'll let you start us off with the attitude adjustment. I'm going to finish us off here. The worst finisher in all of professional wrestling. The Hulk Hogan leg drop. That's right. Hulk Hogan would whip his opponent to the rope, catch him with a big boot. And then he himself would back and hit the rope and hit a devastating leg drop. And I don't know of anybody who kicked out of the three count on the Hulk Hogan leg drop. Uh, You know, again. The Rock. Okay, so there's one. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I forgot they're they're a huge match at WrestleMania. I forgot they both sort of kicked out of stuff together um, for false finishes. Which, you know, we can have that's that's a whole another story for another show as far as what that match was and turned into. Um, but you know, we t- I just talked about the people's elbow is my number two worst finisher of all time. Hogan didn't jump off the top rope. He was six foot six. Uh, you know, I think he at one point was 320 pounds, 275 pounds, obviously a big dude. He was never nimble to do some of the uh, the high flying stuff, so there was nothing he could ever do to make his leg drop more impressive, to make his leg drop um, feel more devastating. It was just as high as he could get off the mat, hit his leg drop was all he could do, and that was not much uh, to make that leg drop <laughs> feel devastating. Uh, PG, I don't want to monopolize this here. What have I not mentioned about the leg drop that you think, you know, bears saying uh, here on tap outs and touchdowns? Uh, Not much. I mean, you know, the worst part of it to me was that, you know, again, with the whole warrior thing, you jumped up like an inch in the air and, and hit this little leg drop. Um, Yeah. I hated it. I hated it. I hated the big boot. Let's let's talk about the combo. Uh, the big boot. It was just him raising his leg, and as high as it can it, go. It man, it just looked awful, bro. Um, you know what I think of when I think of great leg drops? I think of Booker T and his Houston Hangover. Oh yeah, that was good. The the that was the somersault that was leg really, drop really off the top rope. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, everything else I, I really hated. Um, before we move on to like, – I'm going to throw an honorable mention out here um, that is kind of controversial, but I, I think that most finishers in pro wrestling are silly and redundant. Like we talked about like ankle locks. Like, man, kick him. Like, r- like you have so much – like I used to hate when angle or – or Shamrock would have him in the ankle lock, and it's just like he can't reach the ropes. Why? 
Why can't he? He's why? What do you mean he can't reach the rope? The only time it was almost believable is when like Angle would like get down and like be on the floor with you with your ankle a lot. But even then, roll over, kick him. You had the leverage. Um, we talked about the Boston Crab a little bit. Um, God forbid you put a half Boston Crab. It's like why would you only do half the work on purpose? Um, yeah, triangle chokes. We kind of talk about. I I don't really like. I don't really like submissions in pro wrestling all the time, unless it's like an MMA style kind of thing that makes sense. But like, what is it? The hat or um, the, the hat or the, the pump handle or the, uh, you know what I'm talking about? They put the arm over and then you're leaning. Yeah. The pump hand, like any sort of pump handle slam or drop or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, those are silly. The, that's those submissions are silly. Yeah. Don't like Um, them. So PJ holds are silly to me. It sounds like you're trying to add logic to illogical situations. Am I right? Am I right? I am. I, I'm trying to do that. And it's, well, it's easier said than done. And I shouldn't even try. Well, before we move on, I did want to mention that Hogan's leg drops and lifting his leg up as high as he could uh, forced him to get two hip replacements in his older age. So maybe he should have come up with a better finisher than a stupid effing leg drop. Uh, we're we're going to move on here. Five top finishers in all of pro wrestling history. We were spot for spot identical here, except for number five. PJ, start yeah. us off. What was your number five best finisher in pro wrestling history? Uh, choke slam, and you can argue that it's it is just a back bump. But the combination in my head, the combination of you not being able to breathe up higher than you're standing and then getting dropped down to me is enough to take it out of you for three seconds. And yep. I think I think those are just like especially like Vader's choke slams where it was just like crazy, just whipped you like almost like a whiplash effect. Um uh, we obviously you could talk about Undertaker, and but this also I want to remember. I'm going to remind our audience that I'm not just talking about one handed. You know the choke slams where like you raised up with two hands and then dropped down like a double a double hand choke slam for the layman. Uh, like Great Kali would do that. Uh, um, Omos, you know, Omos, Omos, present day. How did you how how did you know who I was trying to come up with and I still couldn't because uh, we've done his name because we've done the show for a year and I know exactly right, who you are now. That's true, poor bastard. I know. But, uh, yeah, I, I do love, but I, I love a good choke slam. I think that that deserves to be on there. So and maybe I'm biased. We we talked about uh, the people's elbow would have been top six for worst finishers. Choke slams would have been top six for me. Uh, yeah. Having said that, who and I'm gonna put you on the spot? Who does your favorite choke slam? Oh, I could say Vader because I love his is just so brutal. Um, but yeah, I'll say Vader. I was going to say Kane. Kane's a, Kane's a close second. Yeah. So the variation, the undertaker used to do the one handed choke slam where his arm would be straight up in the air. I remember it being on a lot of the SmackDown games. Uh, triple H took that best choke slam. Uh, you mentioned Kane had a, had a monster choke slam. My favorite choke slam. This is going to probably be like, I'm probably going to get shit on for it was the giant the big show in WCW. Oh, because he, he would come down with you? Well, not just that he would come down with you, but he would hold you up there. So a lot of the choke slams, they pick you up in the air and they drop you. The yep. big, the giant's choke slam, he would pick you up. He would still have his hand around your throat, but he'd get you by the butt and he'd walk you around the ring if you wanted to come down with you for the, for the win. Uh, you talk about not being able to breathe, higher altitude because the giant was seven foot two. Um, I love the Giants chokeslam in WCW, uh, which is why, like, when I was a kid, I hated other chokeslams. Like, that's supposed to be a finish. And that's not, like, that's not Big Show's or the Giants chokeslam. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my number five move uh, is the powerbomb. Uh, for, for those who don't know, you, I'm not sure exactly how to describe a powerbomb other than you, you put the guy's head between your legs you pick him up where his legs are now facing your crotch and you, you drop him or you slam him down to the ring, a power bomb. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds pretty homosexual if you want to go there. Um, <laughs> but 
Uh, this is just, pro wrestling, Ryan. Okay. Yeah, they're they're already in tights. Like, let's let's be honest. There's nothing. No, there's nothing wrong with it anyway. However, um, the the power bomb just always seems so devastating to me. One because if the guy doesn't get rotated up high enough, he could wind up like Kevin Nash dropping the giant on his neck. Jesus. Um, you know, or you know, you could just take a bad bump. Um, you know, there were some really great power bombs. And wrestling Kevin Nash's jackknife power bomb. I always was was a fan of Psycho Sid's power bomb. Uh, for whatever reason, it just seemed very, very powerful. Vader had a great power bomb. Um, a lot of them weren't used as finishers, but I feel like they should have been because the power bomb to me, like the name power bomb, screams like you're not getting up from this. Um, and Agreed, there was yeah, and there, and there were so many guys, whether it was the Batista bomb, it was a sit out power bomb. Even that, um, the fact that he would bring like all of his momentum down with his opponent, the power bomb. I just, I, it was, it, has, it was a great visual for me. Um, my nephew, when he was a kid, uh, I'd always pick him up and, and hit him with the Connor bomb. Uh, shout out to my oldest nephew. Um, so, cause he'll even bring it up with me. Like, remember when you used to give me Connor bombs? I'm like, yeah, dude, that was when you were like six, not 20. So, yeah. um, never it happened now. yeah. So, uh, power bomb, my number five. Best so who, finisher. who, who was, who, who do you think did the best power bomb? I know you kind of touched on those a little bit, but you think Sid Vicious did the best power bomb? <clears throat> yeah, man. Something about his, it just, it felt real. Uh, I, I say that because I, it, I'm really surprised you didn't pick the last ride. That one to me is the most tremendous. Yeah. Uh, it's up there. Um, I just, I think because it was, it was used so, uh, how, how can I say this? It, it was used for such a short period of time because the undertaker was only the American badass undertaker for, for, you know, such a short span of his career um, that his, the tombstone was always synonymous with the undertaker. The last ride was the American badasses finisher. Um, but I don't know, like, you know, Kevin Nash had a nice power bomb, but towards the end of his career, he was no longer slamming people with the power bomb. He was picking them he up. Was just, and he was just running them. and going, eh. I hated his fucking power. Yeah, I mean, like... I felt like every time he was slamming down, he was like, there goes my quad. I I will never forget one of the first pay-per-views that I remember getting when I was a kid was the Starcade that Kevin Nash broke Goldberg's streak. And I'll never forget how weak that powerbomb looked. Uh, Just because Kevin Nash got him up and just sort of, like, dropped him. And you're going to, again, call me crazy. Kudos to Goldberg for selling that power bomb uh, because it was just poorly executed. But again, just the name power bomb screams like, Hey, we, this is, this is the go home move, you know? Um, Nevertheless, our top four are identical. So I think we should just go back and forth here. Uh, PJ, um, I'm going to start us off here. Number four on our list of best finishers of all time is the pedigree made famous by uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, better known as Triple H, used for a brief time by Seth Rollins when they outlawed the curb stomp finisher. Uh, Similar to the powerbomb, I set him up where he's between your legs, but you would underhook both of his arms and he would jump up in the air. Uh, Your opponent would go flat. And the idea was that your head would spike into the mat and there was nothing to protect you because your arms were behind your back. Um, the The early pedigrees, uh, to me, were a lot more vicious than the later pedigrees by Triple H would be because Triple H would a lot of times would let go of the arms before they would hit the mat. And that was, to me, part of what made the pedigree so uh, so vicious. Uh, PJ, how do you feel? Am I, am, I on the, am I on the same track that you were thinking or, or no? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I, not much to add. It spikes your head into the – it spikes your – the front of your face, your nose, all that to the fucking – um to the fucking canvas yeah i i i'm a, I'm a big fan of the pedigree and it is uh, just a uh, a monstrous finisher yep there you go uh number three on the list i'll let you reveal it what's our number three most devastating best finisher of all time it is the tombstone pal driver and yeah i mean like whether it's owen hart sitting down breaking stone cold's neck obviously it's a great finisher um uh, Undertaker, Kane, making it famous. Uh, we have Okada using it in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we see Tombstones now regularly kind of used. Uh, yeah, I think right up there again. 
I mean, spikes your head into the mat. What else do you need? And it comes with a little bit of lore as the tombstone is, you know, created by, you know, the undertaker. So yeah, I, um, yeah, big fan of the tombstone. Yeah. We're going to get in a little bit, uh, in the main event, uh, what's what we call having protected finishers. And that means finishers that, uh, that people don't kick out from, um, the tombstone was one of the most protected finishers in all of wrestling. Yeah, uh, it was made famous uh, to be kicked out of towards the end of, I guess, towards the end of the Undertaker's career, towards the end of Shawn Michaels' career. Those matches at WrestleMania between the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, the Undertaker yeah. and Triple H, that's when you started seeing the false finishes. But I feel like you mentioned Okada using the tombstone in New Japan. Uh, there's a, there's a guy in AEW that his name is escaping me right now that is a uh, that, that is used the tombstone pile driver. I I wish that more people. If you're going to use the tombstone pile driver, that's it. Hit the tombstone, get your pin, and walk away. Because otherwise, it's 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 sort of like the bastardization of super kicks, right? So back in the day, Shawn Michaels' finishing move was the sweet chain music, which essentially is a super kick. Now, you might get eight to ten super kicks in a single match, bastardizing the move. And I, I don't like seeing a move like the tombstone be bastardized. I'm right there with you. Number three on my list as well. Number two on the list, I'll get into it. And number two and number one are very similar. Um, I don't know if 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 you felt the same way uh, as far as them being similar, but uh, the number two to, most to me to me these two, the one at number one and two, can be interchangeable depending on what mood I'm in. Honestly, and yeah. I'm not like that with most lists. Mostly at lists, I'm like, no, this is what it is, twenty four seven. But these two can be interchangeable. But yeah, what's our number two there? Number two is the Stone Cold Stunner, made famous by Stone Cold Steve Austin, also used by the Disco Inferno. We'll move very long uh, along very quickly there. Also used by, he was known as the Booty Man. He was known as the Zodiac. He was known as the Disciple in WCW. And when they needed a move to get the Disciple, the Disciple took the, uh, the, the I guess they called it the last dance from, from Disco Inferno and he would use the Stone Cold Stunner as his finisher until he left the Brutus company. Brutus the fucking Barber yeah. Beefcake. Jesus. Brutus, Brutus Beefcake used it as his finisher until he left the company and Disco went back to using it. But again, the Stone Cold Stunner is made, made famous by Stone Cold Steve Austin. He'd give somebody a gut kick and then basically get the guy's head on your shoulders and with all of his weights, that would he as he would sit down, bring your head down on his shoulder, uh, uh, chin to shoulder, uh, honestly, part of what made the Stone Cold Stunner one of the best finishers to me was a lot of it, how people sold it. Uh, yeah, the Vince, selling. Yeah, Vince McMahon was one of the worst sellers of the Stunner, but it made for some of the most comical uh, selling of the Stunner. Uh, same thing with The Rock. The Rock went on record to say that he would try uh, night in and night out to make his selling of the Stone Cold Stunner so above and beyond what it was supposed to be uh, just to see how, how big of a reaction he could get from it. Um, the Stone Cold Stunner, um, logistically, it should knock you out as your head is coming with all your weight down on the guy's shoulder. Uh, just, again, devastating finishing move uh, when, when used properly and when sold properly. Uh, PJ, what do you have to add about the Stone Cold Stunner? I want to also add that Kevin Owens uh, did the so-called stunner for a little while too. He did the stunner. Uh, also, um, the worst wrestler in the world tried attempting to do some rope stunner shit that looked like ass crack. Yeah. But um, yeah, the Stone Cold Stunner was great, man. And you're right. The selling did really make that move. And it's just another move that's like, man, imagine just – it's like the atomic uh, – or the, like, a, like, a, the, like the chin drop, but it's a lot more brutal. And then you get flicked off after the move and get a guy in your face like doing this. Like, that's really what sells it for me. Yeah. No, but seriously, in the, for real though, Snowball Stunner, great move. I dig it. All right. So that brings us to our best finisher of all time. Everybody is going to call it uh, what, what everybody knows now as the RKO. But the diamond cutter is what I will always affectionately know it as. Uh, PJ, I would love to start us off with this, but I'm going to, I'm going to cede the floor to you, uh, since I talked about the Stone Cold Stunner first, why did the diamond cutter slash RKO wind up as your number one finisher of all time? Be so to me, 
not only it was is it super believable, but I fell in love with the the diamond cutter when Diamond Dallas Page would be able to hit it from fucking anywhere. It really was the RKO before the RKO. It was the original, and I can remember uh, uh, Slamboree God ninety six ninety seven maybe the Battle Bowl when Diamond Dallas Page just hitting diamond cutters in that battle royal, and it was just so cool to see. And it, that was the first move that I can remember that was so protected like yeah the stunner was so protected in the late 90s as well but like people would find a way to get out of that whether it was uh excuse me whether it was you know um pulling the referee out or uh, cheating things it was always austin versus the authority um but uh no diamond house page to me had the first protected finisher move and i think that's really what um what helped him out. So yeah, Diamond Alice Page, Diamond Cutter, you move on. We'll talk a little bit. I guess we'll move on to like the RKO. Look how famous that's been. Like oh yeah. It's been in fucking memes that like people don't even know what the hell wrestling is. And it's but it's still a good finishing maneuver. And look made how it, protected that was. It made a rap video uh recently. There so, you go. Yeah. Um I'm right there with you. Yeah. So Diamond Alice Page perfected the diamond cutter you mentioned he could hit it out of he could hit it out of anywhere he i remember watching him put somebody in a fireman's carry like what is he doing here and he spins around and diamond cutter he sets somebody up on the second rope like what is he like diamond dallas doesn't go on the ropes oh that's a diamond cutter um the one thing that randy orton has been able to do that diamond dallas page did not and i i attribute it more to the opponents that randy orton has been up against he's been able to catapult them in the air to let yeah. them fall into the RKO. That's something that Diamond Dallas Page never did. But without Diamond Dallas Page being able to hit the Diamond Cutter out of nowhere, the RKO out of nowhere would, ne- would not be a thing. Uh, I-, I think some of my most my, my favorite RKOs, uh, Evan Bourne trying to hit the Shooting Star Press and getting hit with the RKO in midair. Uh, yeah. Seth-, Seth Rollins at WrestleMania going for the stop. Randy Orton kicking him up off of his head and catching him with the RKO. Uh, there's been so many. I mean, he's, he's caught so many people in midair with that move um, that just, it's, it's always devastating and exciting to, exciting to see. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy that move is because, yeah, you know, especially you mentioned Kevin Owens hitting the Stone Cold Stunner. Um, it's always going to be synonymous with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So watching Kevin Owens hit it. It just doesn't have the same feel. Obviously, Diamond Dallas Page, then Randy Orton. For the longest time, I didn't like seeing Randy Orton hit it. But Randy Orton has made it his own. And to that point, you don't ever get tired of watching the RKO or the Diamond Cutter. Diamond Dallas Page made a surprise entrance in a Royal Rumble a few years ago and immediately hit like six Diamond Cutters and eliminated every single person after the Diamond Cutter. Um, out of nowhere. So I think part of why the diamond cutter was the number one for me was because to this day, um, I don't get sick and tired of seeing it. Um, so, so that's it. So right. let's do a quick rundown here. Uh, our worst uh, five finishers of all time. Uh, your guy here uh, had the Hogan leg drop, the people's elbow, the ultimate warrior splash, Cesaro's neutralizer and the attitude adjustment. Uh, PJ, you had the leg drop, the claw, uh, the ultimate warrior splash, any sort of punch or strike finish, and the attitude adjustment. Uh, the top five best finishers we had, um, you had the choke slam and I had the power bomb at number five, uh, but going four to one, the pedigree, the tombstone pile driver, the stone cold stunner, and the diamond cutter. Uh, PJ, we're going to take one final break. We come back to the main event. We're going to talk about briefly what a protected finisher is, what is the most protected finisher in pro wrestling, and what should be the most protected finisher in pro wrestling. Stay tuned. The main event is coming up next right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns. The Sarcasm Remains podcast with Fuzzy B. Charleston's favorite podcast should be yours too. Go to www.thesarcasmremains.com for more info.
All right, everybody, welcome to the main event of the evening. Protected finishers. What are they? What are the most protected finishers? And what should be the most protected finishers in pro wrestling? As always, it's your guy, Billy Rye, alongside PJ Steven. Uh, PJ, uh, give us a brief kind of synopsis on what it means to have a protected finisher in pro wrestling. So protected finishers are going to be like nobody kicks out of that and once so a protected finish to me is when that finish gets hit there's no doubt in your mind that it's over there's no like oh well all right that's it you know do you remember being you know it doesn't happen a whole lot now but i can remember seeing a finisher and just go like oh well that's it no i guess that was a good match so that's that's what it means to be protected uh in my opinion i mean does that pretty much sum it up yeah, I mean, kind of like we talked about in, in Break It Down, the Diamond Cutter was one of the most protected finishers because you knew when Diamond Dallas Page hit that Diamond Cutter, his opponent wasn't getting up. Matter of fact, he was really the first WCW wrestler that got to touch an NWO guy when he put on the NWO shirt given to him by Hall and Nash. And as yep. Nash turned his back, he gets Scott Hall in the Diamond Cutter. Hall doesn't get up, and Diamond Dallas Page runs to the crowd as he tells the NWO to suck it. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm right there with you. The protected finisher is something that wrestlers don't kick out of. And in this day and age, uh, that seems to be less and less of a thing. Um, it used to be, uh, the one thing that comes to my mind, the Usos have a, a double team super kick, and then they would both hit a splash off the top rope. Nobody's kicking out. And recently, that move has been getting kicked out of by every team that they've, they've gone against um, there's still not a lot of people kicking about the RKO, but as you mentioned, it's a, it's a move that people do not kick out of. Uh, PJ, um, what do you notice uh, from what we've been watching, I guess, over the last few years as let's, let's go like a, a top one or two most protected finishers. What do you see as being the most protected finishers in wrestling right now? Uh, definitely, you like we mentioned the end of days. Like, what a great finisher for a lame character. End of Days are great. We talked about the RKO. Um, and I wrote this down. I don't know how accurate it is when I'm looking at it now, but I wrote down low blows. Like, I see, like, and maybe that's more of a pass kind of thing, but, like, when someone hits a low blow, it's like, oh, he hit a low blow. That's going to decide the match. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, we're guys. Like, we get it. Like, we get hit in the balls. Like, it sucks. But, like, Man, it's really going to knock us out for three seconds? I don't know. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I, I don't remember the exact number, but I somebody somebody in that group chat that we were in um, mentioned that the end of days, since Barrett Corbin has come to the main roster, has never been kicked out of. No, like, and uh, by the way, the end of days is basically him. It's him eating a rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really – it's. It's a devastating slash. I don't. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it's a decent move. And considering his size, the whiplash, reverse rock bottom, it's impressive. I'm surprised it's one of the most protected finishers out there. And we've already talked about the diamond cutter was protected. The RKO. I can't remember the last time anybody kicked out of multiple RKOs, much less one. Matter of fact, or a Russell, super RKO or whatever. Yeah. Um, WrestleMania, was it 2021, where he got to go up against Bray Wyatt and it only took one RKO to put down Bray Wyatt. I mean, that tells you yeah. how protected that finisher is. Um, you know, when we talk about finishers that, that don't end matches, um, I, I feel like there's a couple, of, a couple of moves in particular that I feel like should be more protected. Uh, one is probably going to catch me a lot of flack, uh, but a lot of the old timers would enjoy it. And that's the DDT uh, invented by Jake the Snake Roberts, stolen by Arn Anderson, admittedly stolen by Arn Anderson. Uh, everybody's heard of a DDT. If you don't watch pro wrestling, somebody mentioned, oh, I'm going to hit you with the DDT. Like the DDT is famous for, if nothing more than the name. And you're basically just spiking somebody on the top of their head. You, you, you grab, you know, I'll basically grab them in a front headlock and then drop them on their head. Uh, And in theory, you're getting dropped flat on your head. You're not getting up, but there's been so many variations to DDTs, be it a tornado DDT, be it the rocks like rollover DDT. Um, 
There are so many, the Randy Orton's uh, hanging DDT off the middle rope. There are so many uh, variations of the DDT now that it's just another, it's just another move. And I feel like they're, they're not doing the DDT justice. Uh, PJ, is there, is there another move that, that I didn't mention as far as a move that you feel like should be protected that isn't? You know what I think that we didn't really talk about? And I guess it's anything that drives your head into the ground, like the DDT, or we talk about the pile driver. But you remember the unprettier? I think that should be a very protected move. You're talking about the Christian move where he kind of yeah. double underhooks and flips him over. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah. great move. Um, I, I, I think that should be way more protected than it is. I agree completely. The other move I mentioned briefly in uh, the Break It Down segment was the Sweet Chin Music, the super kick. Um, it's been bastardized by pro wrestling. Um, the, the knee slapping kicks uh, happen all too often. It, it, it's sort of, to me, the, the sweet, the super kick has become what the DDT became in the late 90s. It's just another yeah. move to, to move along a match. Um, and so the, the super kicks and the DDTs, to me, should be more protected than they are. But considering how many variations there are and how often they get used now, I, I think the, using those moves as a finisher is long, uh, long gone. Uh, I, think of the, I think of the Canadian Destroyer when I think of that as well, unfortunately. Yeah, Petey Williams had the most beautiful, like, and granted, again, we talk about logical moves. The Canadian yeah, Destroyer not is not a logical at all. <laughs> it, it just looks pretty. You it's know, but such it, yeah, a pretty it's, move. It's, it's, it's silly when you get down to it. <laughs> it's basically a jumping rollover pile driver. Um, and Petey that, Williams that your opponent it. has to work. You know, that's how I feel about the Styles Clash. Yeah. Like, it, ha- it, it requires your opponent to hook into your foot, yeah. Anyway, we can go all day about. No, that. I'm right there with you. Yeah, the Canadian Destroyer, another move that should be should be more protected. Uh, but because you know you've got you got you got women doing the Destroyer now. Adam Cole does the Destroyer. Nobody will beat the original. And uh, what what do they call them? Little Papa Pump or Little Petey Pump? Uh, yeah. And and Petey Williams. Uh, PJ, uh, that's about all the time we have. I want to thank you for your time today in the special edition show. Uh, we're recording the show. We'll give you a little behind the scenes, uh, sort of a, a new test for us. So I'm not sure when the show is going to go live, but you will be able to hear it on the Tobacco Road Sports Network uh, when it does go live. Uh, but nevertheless, we're not sure when the show will go up. Uh, but PJ, it's been a really fun experience just going over finishing moves. is something that we haven't done on the show before. So I wanted to thank you for yeah, your time this was and thanks for being here. Hey, thank you very much, man. Thanks all, all for having us, man. This is always super fun. And uh, we got a lot of great content coming back at you guys. So stay tuned for tab outs and touchdowns. And uh, I'll let you sign us off there. Yeah, man, absolutely. Like I said, uh, earlier this season, it was announced that we were going to the Tobacco, Tobacco Road Sports Network. Easy for me to say. Uh, we will be airing Tuesday afternoons on that network but you'll still be able to get the show wherever it is you get your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever it is that you get your shows. So make sure you go over and give us a like and follow on the platform that you get your podcasts. For PJ Steven, it's your guy, Bully Rye. I'll be around.